This year, Peloton is gifting you their best offer of the season. Get up to $300 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. Shop from a variety of accessories such as cycling shoes, a heart rate monitor, and more. Whether you have 10 minutes to spare for a strength class or 30 minutes for a running or cycling class, there's a workout that works for you with music that is truly iconic. So don't miss out on Peloton's best offer of the season. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer starts November 14th and ends November 28th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Hi, my name is Zach, and together with Wikipedia, I'll help you fall asleep. Get cozy and relax. I'll read out loud to you. Today, The Yankee, the magazine that helped further women's rights. The Yankee was one of the first cultural publications in the U.S., founded and edited by John Neal, and published in Portland, Maine. The magazine was unique at the time for its independent journalism. Neal used creative control of the magazine to improve his social status, help establish the American gymnastics movement, cover national politics, and criticize American literature, art, theater, and social issues. Many new, predominantly female writers and editors started their careers with contributions and criticism of their work published in The Yankee, including many who are familiar to modern readers. Essays by Neil on American art and theatre anticipated major changes and movements in those fields realised in the following decades. The articles on women's rights and early feminist ideas affirmed intellectual equality between men and women and demanded political and economic rights for women. Conflicting opinions published in The Yankee on the cultural identity of Maine and New England presented readers with a complex portrait of the region. The magazine began as a weekly publication and later converted to a longer monthly format. Its two-year run concluded at the end of 1829. Background John Neal grew up in Portland, Maine, and later lived in Boston, then Baltimore, where he pursued a dual career in law and literature, following the bankruptcy of his dry goods business in 1816. After gaining national recognition as a critic, poet and novelist, he sailed to London, where he wrote for British magazines and served as Jeremy Bentham's personal secretary. Upon returning to his native Portland in 1827, he was confronted by community members who were offended by Neil's literary work in the preceding years. The unsympathetic depiction of his hometown in his semi-autobiographical novel Errata, the way he depicted New England dialect and customs in his novel Brother Jonathan, and his criticism of American writers in Blackwood's magazine. Residents posted inflammatory broadsides calling Neil a panderer for scandal against the country that nourished him, and a renegado, who basically traduced his native town and country for hire. Neil experienced verbal taunting and physical violence in the streets, 
and then attempt to block his admission to the local bar association, though he had been a practicing lawyer in Baltimore. In the second half of 1827, he pursued a number of projects to further his personal goals and to vindicate himself to his local community. He joined the bar despite opposition, founded Maine's first athletic program, and established the Yankee. The first issue was published January 1st, 1828. The idea came from a local bookseller who urged Neil shortly after his return to Portland to establish a new magazine or newspaper. Neil initially refused, not wanting to be the financial backer of his own literary undertaking. The bookseller then offered to publish the periodical if Neil would serve as editor, which Neil accepted. Subscription to the new weekly magazine cost $3 a year or $2.50 paid in advance. The Yankee was Maine's first literary periodical and one of America's first cultural publications. Controversial at the time for its lack of association with any political party or interest group, it was a precursor for the independent American press that was established later in the century. When asked why he would establish such a magazine outside a major city, Neil said, We mean to publish in Portland. Whatever the people of New York or Boston or Philadelphia or Baltimore might say, Portland is the place for us. Content The Yankee functioned to educate Americans about England, spread Jeremy Bentham-inspired utilitarian philosophy, publish literary contributions, and critique American literature, American art, theatre, politics, and social issues. The magazine also aided in establishing the U.S. gymnastics movement, provided a forum for new writers, and promoted Neil's own accomplishments. Because Neil included a high proportion of his own work, self-promotion, and details of feuds with other public figures, no magazine ever bore more fully the stamp of a personality according to scholar Irving T. Richards. Other authors published in the magazine included John Greenleaf Whittier, Edgar Allan Poe, Albert Pike, Grenville Mellon, Isaac Ray, and early published works by John Appleton. Literary Criticism Neil biographer Donald A. Sears felt that the Yankees' greatest impact was encouraging new authors through publication and criticism of their early works. Poe, Whittier, Nathaniel Hawthorne and Henry Wadsworth Longfellow all received their first impactful encouragement in its pages. Most of the new authors whose careers started in the Yankee were women, including Elizabeth Oakes Smith and others lesser known to history. The Yankee is credited with having discovered Poe, and influenced the young writer's style with the magazine's essays. Poe considered Neil's September 1829 review of the poem Fairy Land to be the very first words of encouragement I ever remember to have heard. Poe became a contributor to the Ladies' Magazine shortly afterward, a relationship that may have been orchestrated by Neil. Whittier sought Neil's opinion in the magazine at a turning point in the poet's career, saying when he submitted the poem that, if you don't like it, say so privately, and 
I will quit poetry and everything also of a literary nature, for I am sick at heart of the business. In what may be the first review of Hawthorne's first novel, the Yankee referred to Fawnshaw as powerful and pathetic, and said that the author should be encouraged to persevering efforts by a fair prospect of future success. An 1828 review of Longfellow noted, A fine genius and a pure and safe taste, but also cited the need for a little more energy and a little more stoutness. Art Criticism Neil was the first American art critic. Scholars find his work in the novel Randolph, Blackwood's Magazine, and The Yankee to be the most historically important, in which he discussed leading American artists and their work with unprecedented acumen and enthusiasm. The essay, Landscape and Portrait Painting, anticipated John Ruskin's groundbreaking Modern Painters by distinguishing between things seen by the artist and things as they are, as Ruskin put it more famously 14 years later. In Neil's words in 1829, There is not a landscape nor a portrait painter alive who dares to paint what he sees as he sees it, nor probably a dozen with power to see things as they are. Neil's essays in The Yankee about landscape painting and its potential role in America's artistic renaissance anticipate the rise of the Hudson River School and provide early coverage of its founders, Thomas Doughty, Asher Brown Durand, and Thomas Cole. These essays also offer unprecedented coverage of reproduction technology, like engraving and lithography, and American portrait painters trained in the humbler contingencies of sign painting and applied arts. According to art scholar Harold E. Dixon, Neil's opinions in The Yankee, to a remarkable degree, have stood the trying test of time. Theatrical Criticism At the time the Yankee was in circulation, Neil was one of the most important critics of American drama. His serial essay, The Drama, elaborates upon opinions on theatre originally published in the prefaces of his first play, Otho, and his second poetry collection, The Battle of Niagara, second edition. The essay dismissed well-accepted Shakespearean standards and outlined a prophecy for the future American drama that largely played out by the end of the century. Neil predicted that characters would become more relatable by expressing feelings in common language, because when a person talks beautifully in his sorrow, it shows both great preparation and insincerity. Instead of relying on highly cultivated circumstances in the plot, the incidents will be such as every man may hope or dread to see, for it is there, and there only, that we can judge of a hero or of a nation, or sympathise with either. This thorough revolution in plays and players, authors and actors, called for in the drama, was still in process 60 years later, when William Dean Howells was considered innovative for issuing the same criticism. Political, social and civic issues. 
The Yankee documented and offered commentary upon the period's nationally relevant social and political topics, such as the nullification crisis, the tariff of abominations, Andrew Jackson's spoil system, lotteries, temperance, women's rights, and the main New Brunswick border issues that led to the 1838-1839 Aroostook War between the United States and the United Kingdom. He published a vigorous campaign of 17 articles against lotteries over the course of 1828, claiming they encourage idle and reckless behaviour among patrons. On a local level, Neil's advocacy in The Yankee contributed toward municipal funding being designated for the construction of Portland's first sidewalks. In March 1828, Neil advertised his gymnasium in The Yankee as accessible here to everybody, without distinction of age or colour. But when he sponsored six black men to join, only two other members of 300 voted to accept them. In May, Neil used his magazine to call out his fellow gymnasts' racial prejudice. He ended his involvement with the gym shortly thereafter. Feminism Neil's writing on gender and women's rights in The Yankee show his focus moving beyond intergender social manners and female educational opportunities and toward women's economic and political rights. In the first issue of the second volume, he asserted that unmarried women are treated unfairly as if it were better for a woman to marry anybody than not to marry at all, or even to marry one that was not her selected and preferred to all than to go unmarried to her grave. The article, Rights of Women, includes some of the angriest and most assertive feminist claims of his career, saying of coverture and suffrage that, The truth is that women are not citizens here. They pay taxes without being represented. If they are represented, it is by those whose interest, instead of being included in theirs, is directly opposed to theirs. They are not eligible to office, and they are not, nor is their property protracted at law. So much for the equality of the sexes here. The solution, which he offered in Woman, March 26, 1828, was female solidarity and organising to secure economic and political rights. If woman would act with woman, there would be a stop to our tyranny. The Yankee also promoted female editors like Sarah Josepha Hale and Frances Harriet Whipple and proclaimed the example of economic freedom these women provided. We hope to see the day when she editors will be as common as he editors and when our women of all ages will be able to maintain herself without being obliged to marry for bread. In other articles... The Yankee affirmed intellectual equality between men and women, opining that when minds meet, all distinctions of sex are abolished, and women are not inferior to men, they are unlike men. They cannot do all that men may do, any more than men may do all that women may do. New England The magazine's title word, Yankee, is a demonym used to refer to people from Maine and the other New England states. Holding his native state in high regard, Neil, in the third issue of the Yankee, claimed, 
her magnitude, her resources, and her character, we believe, are neither appreciated nor understood by the chief men and the great mass of the American people. To correct this, he published articles written by himself and others detailing the region's customs, traditions, and speech, particularly the series Live Yankees, New England as it was, and New England as it is. He juxtaposed articles by separate authors, with conflicting views, and inserted his own editorial footnotes into others' essays to encourage discourse over the region's identity. 19th-century American regionalists are known for sentimentally posing rural traditions in conflict with America's urbanization. In contrast, the Yankee presented the country's regions in a state of constant cultural evolution that beckons but thwarts characterization. Feuds The first volume of The Yankee documents literary feuds between Neil and other New England journalists like William Lloyd Garrison, Francis Ormond Jonathan Smith, and Joseph T. Buckingham. Tensions between Neil and Garrison started with Garrison's denunciation of Neil's literary criticism in Blackwood's magazine as a renegade's base attempt to assassinate the reputation of this country and continued with Neil's claim in The Yankee that Garrison was fired from his editorial position for attacking Neil in the paper. Journalist and historian Edward H. Elwell characterized Neil's willingness to publish these inflammatory back-and-forth letters and essays as the embodiment of impulsive honesty and fair play. Neil stopped after receiving complaints from subscribers, which he also published in the magazine. Run of Publication The Yankee published regularly from the beginning of 1828 through the end of 1829, during which time the magazine changed its name, printing format, frequency and volume numbering system. Volumes 1 and 2 are composed of 8-page weekly issues in quarto. New series volume 1 is composed of 6 56-page monthly issues in octavo. For financial reasons, Neil merged the Yankee with a Boston periodical and changed the name to the Yankee and Boston Literary Gazette, starting August 20, 1828. When the Yankee ceased publication at the end of 1829, it merged with the Ladies' Magazine. The common misconception that it merged with the New England Galaxy is based on a misinterpretation of a passage in Neil's autobiography. Hey, still awake? If you like this podcast, please hit subscribe and leave a rating in your podcast app. The podcast is available under Creative Commons Attribution. This podcast is produced and edited by Shonline Media. Read by me, Zach.